Welcome to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. Well, howdy, folks. It's your host, Aaron Batty, on the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. Somebody emailed me, if I don't know, two, three weeks ago and said, hey, we'd really like to see some podcast content coming out. I just posted yesterday on uh, Instagram and Facebook pages some pictures of the new studio that I'm sitting in right now recording this episode. This studio is taking a lot of time, a lot of sweat. Finally got it done with the finishing. There's one finishing touch still left, but got it done. We're back to producing some podcasts. I'm going to try to be a little more faithful to the podcast and getting episodes out there. Um, Same podcast, maybe a couple of new features coming your way. Keep an eye out for that nothing major now this particular episode this is an episode that i recorded back in may i believe it was when the chapel grove church of christ had our annual young speakers meeting and so we had four speakers chas langford carter stevens and luke goad as well as joseph wall joseph wall wasn't able to make it into the studio and record anything for his part but all these guys were talking about peer pressure at the time. And so if you've seen the thumbnail for this episode, it's about peer pressure in work, in friendships, in entertainment, in faith, um, I'm, morality. I'm missing a couple probably. But each one of these guys come on for about 10 to 15 minutes and they talk a little bit about each one of their particular topics. Now, if you saw the sermons that they preached and are recorded up on the internet, these conversations are separate and apart from that. They're there's going to be some shared content, but I'm asking them questions in a Q&A type of fashion and conversational fashion, which they obviously didn't present like that whenever they presented it at the meeting. So this gives a little bit more relaxed setting for them to discuss these topics. It supplements those sermons, and if you want to hear those sermons, go to the Chapel Grove Church of Christ YouTube page or to our website at tncgchurchofchrist.org. Okay, without further ado, uh, we're going to have up Chas first, then Luke, and then finally finish it off with Carter talking about their respective topics and what they have to give insight about peer pressure as we live our Christian life. Let's just get right into it. Okay, well, we're here as advertised with Chas Langford. Um, Chas Langford is coming all the way from Joplin, Missouri, and man, if you could just see what I see. Chas, introduce yourself to the people. Okay, well, my name is Chas Langford. As he said, I'm from the Joplin area. I go to the Leewood Village Church of Christ in Joplin, and I live in, in Seneca, which is just south of Joplin, so I, I live in that area. Yeah. And you're not married, right? I'm, I'm not married. But you have an intense desire to get a marriage, um, or uh, what did you tell me today? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess you'd call it a marriage license. I, I don't know what the proper term is. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's what they call it, but the, the <laughs> right to preach weddings I, I don't know i think it might be fun you know you never know chas is a very interesting guy um i think he's gonna make a great marriage preacher one day <laughs> like he hopes okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh this is uh gonna be a good conversation that we have here today we're talking about uh, as we had already mentioned in the introduction to this episode peer pressure and chas you have a couple of different talks this weekend well i we're recording this prior to the 2023 young speakers meeting um, this will be released after, but anyways, you're talking about two different subjects. Can you go ahead and just give us a quick, maybe 60 second rundown of those? 
Yeah, so um, when I was assigned the topics, I, it, you definitely left it very vague, so, so there was a lot to fill in. Um, so I titled them both, um, the first one was self-love and the self-love culture and how that ties into peer pressure. So uh, I entitled that one, Rejecting Ungodly Self-Love. And then my second topic is about, um, as Christians, sharing our faith uh, in a world of peer pressure. So I, I just entitled that, um, Maintaining and Sharing Our Faith in a World of Peer Pressure. So, Very good. Uh, you know, I really don't know much about you, Chas, to be honest. I know more about your sister. Um, <laughs> yeah. Been around her more. But I have been impressed with, well, you know, just a little bit I have been around you. You seem to conduct yourself well. Um, I think that you're going to do a great job. So I'm looking forward to hearing you. Yeah. But in pursuit of that, just getting a little preview and um, just saying whatever you want to say about the subject, I'd like to hear more myself about how you think peer pressure is a major factor within these two areas, these two categories you just mentioned. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll cover the, the self-love first. Um, this, one, this one's tricky. I'm still not uh, really completed. I've still got quite a bit more work to do. But what I do have so far is I've been thinking about um, this type of self-love culture that that we're surrounded with and, and how we respond to it. And I think that we need to be very careful that we understand the difference between self-esteem and then self-exaltation. Um, and I would define those by saying self-esteem is something everybody should have uh, in the regard that you need to have the will to live and the will to, to get better. And that ties into the fact that you have to have some form of self-love but the problem arises is when you're around this culture that uh, produces this self-love in a negative way, that becomes self-exaltation, where you begin to put that above others and perhaps even above uh, God himself. So that would be my first topic. And then as for the other one, maintaining and sharing your faith, uh, as I've already stated, this was pretty vague, so I could kind of just uh, go and talk about what I needed, what I think needs to be talked about today in the church and in the world. Uh, we definitely live in a world that doesn't want to see a lot of religious discussion. And it's very easy to say, you know what, let's just talk about that another time. But instead, we need to take every opportunity we can get because that might be our only opportunity uh, to talk with somebody about Jesus. And so with that, when you don't share your faith, you are risking conforming to that culture and becoming part of that culture. So when you don't share your faith and when you don't talk about the things that you believe and uh, try to be, then you become part of that culture. And I think that's why we're seeing people leave the church and, and things along those lines. Are you insinuating that people in the culture are, just generally do not talk about what they believe? Uh, what do you mean by become like the culture? So I, I yeah, I, I think that that I think that you could say that. I think that there's a lot of um, backlash when you try and bring up what you believe because we don't want to offend anybody and we don't want to scare anybody away. And I, I think I can understand that to a certain regard. But when we when we adopt that mentality of I'm just not going to say anything, period, about my religion or, or the things that I uh, base my morality on, I start to kind of become complacent. And I start uh -huh. to think, oh, well, if I don't need to talk about it, do I really even need to take actions that um, align with that faith? Yeah. There's an old saying that, um, you know, people say that they, I love you, but you never come and see me. You never call me all that. So yeah. Do you really love me? Cause it seems like you, you find time to do the things that you really are invested in. Would you say the same is true and kind of what you're getting at 
you find time to talk about the things that you truly are inspired by and convicted about? Yeah, I think if if you're truly convicted by something, you're gonna you're gonna want to talk about it. I like to talk about uh, hobbies that I like to do just because I'm around it all the time. And so if you're if you're truly invested in something, you're gonna want to bring it up all the time. But it is possible to be truly convicted about something and yet not talk about it because of that pressure you're feeling from people who you feel are going to reject you. Absolutely, I think that just that is an excuse that we come up with that. Uh, we think we're not good enough. And on the contrary, that's what I'm going to be uh, really diving into this idea of, am I good enough to be sharing my faith? Okay, so while we're on this, and um, there's lots of different ways we could go with this episode. I actually did ask this to Brother David Jordan a while back on a previous episode. We were talking about one-on-one evangelism, and I asked him um, a similar question, but let's just say that you are somebody that not everybody is equally as outgoing. Okay, so let's say you're not an outgoing person, and even more than that, you're insecure. So you're very um, worried about what people are going to think about you. I think this describes a lot of people. Um, so if you are of that bent, or maybe you share in there somewhere, how do you overcome that? And maybe what kind of mindset do you try to embody or advise people to get out of that and share the gospel? So there is a scriptural response to that. Um, and that is the example of Moses, because that is exactly what Moses went through when God was choosing him to be the one to deliver Israel uh, out of bondage. Moses had a lot of self-doubt about how he was going to do this, but the problem was he kept on asking the question, how can I do this? And it's really not about Moses. So every time that Moses pointed to himself, God said, no, look at me and look at what I can do through you. And so that's how you overcome that idea of self-doubt and, oh, I'm not good enough. And I, I think we, we, we deal with this a lot when people say, well, I'm not a preacher or I'm not a man or whatever the case may be. But the truth is that everybody, uh, while we might not be have the same gifts, has the opportunity to spread the gospel in one form or another. And we can only do that because God is working through us. You have a couple of practical ways that we can do that. Maybe you don't. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I think that it's it's actually a lot more simple than we uh, give it credit for. You know, a great way to start a conversation is, you know, just where do you go to church? Or, um, you know, hey, if you ever want to ask me a question about the Bible, I'm here. Um, I think in the Church of Christ, we don't give ourselves enough credit for how much biblical knowledge we actually have, because I think a lot of the times we have more than we realize. Um so when you're talking with somebody, especially for the first time, it's really important to say, hey, you know, if you ever have any questions or if you'd like to come to church with me, I'm here. And that's that's the whole thing. If you can tell somebody that you're a safe place for them, then that's that's awesome. That's that's a great opportunity. Very good. So going back to self-love, you, you explain the difference between self-exaltation and self-esteem. Um, more specifically, can you, I guess, give us a definition of what would be self-love? That's a term that I've heard in more recent past in cultural conversations. Um, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so I think that you need to be you need to define terms when you're talking to somebody about self-love. Um, you know, obviously, we're seeing in our culture and in our society uh, a definite rise in awareness of mental health. Um, and that's mental health is of course extremely important and it shouldn't be 
undervalued. But we also need to be careful that we're not letting the care for ourselves exceed our care for others. So I, th I think that the way I would define self-love is the love that you have for yourself when it comes to your well-being that should not exceed the well-being of others. Is that a good definition? Okay, very good. So there's nothing wrong with quote-unquote loving yourself. It's a yeah. matter of maybe how much you love yourself exactly. and to yeah. the neglect of other people. Yeah, and especially, more importantly, uh, your love of God. So. so where on that spectrum does the Good Samaritan fall? Where on that spectrum does the Good Samaritan <laughs> fall? That's a good question. Um, the Good Samaritan was the neighbor, and he was the person uh, who, regardless of what status he had, even as a Samaritan, of course, the Jews and the Samaritans, uh, they despised each other. So the Good Samaritan falls in that line of, hey, this person needs help. And as, a, and as somebody who recognizes that and is willing to help, I'm going to love this person. And we always have to be willing to love others. That's not something that should come as a question. It should become just as easy as loving ourselves. And that takes practice, but yeah. And that certainly inconvenienced him. He may have been on his way for a day spa oh, yeah. to uh, you yeah. know, bring about soothing and relaxation. And then all of a sudden, this dude's <laughs> just laying there all beat up and stabbed. And he's like, no, this is my day. I am not going to let this get in my way. Uh, and, and two guys did that. Yeah. They, they practice self-love too much. Is that what we're supposed to enter? No, I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously. No, I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's a valid point. I think there's, when we talk about self-love, there's also self-responsibility. And you have to hold yourself accountable. And the reason you do that is because God holds you accountable. So therefore, there has to be um, that mindset that if I'm going to if I'm going to be a servant of God, then I need to be willing to put others before myself. Yeah, I appreciate your definition. I agree with you. Um, I, I think of one other subject, and it's kind of it's always taboo to talk about, but sex is something that's not actually immoral in and of itself it's actually got a place right um self-love there's nothing wrong likewise with loving yourself it's the question of how much do i love myself and there is one famous saying uh well i don't know if it's famous or not but i am third the idea that you love god first mm. you love others and then you love yourself in terms of priority uh, would you say, would you agree with that? Or is that maybe even a little out of sorts? No, I don't think that's out of sorts at all. If you, if you don't mind, I have a, I have a poem. Oh, I didn't, I didn't write this. I, I found this online and it's, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of cheesy, but I, I think it works. I'll a just, future marriage preacher just, and a poet. Oh, well, you know, okay. Aaron just really talking me up here. Okay. Um, so I'll just, I'll just, uh, okay. Well, I don't know that I can really read just the last verse. So I'll go ahead and just read the whole thing. Jesus I should think of first. He promises me I'll never again thirst. My salvation is in him alone. My Lord, my Savior, sits at the throne. Others should be thought of next. If I help others, God says I'll be blessed. God commands me to love my neighbors by witnessing and showing them favors. You, that's me, should be last, last in line, future, present, and past. God tells me to give himself, to give myself to him each day, to be used of him in a special way. Joy you'll find each day you live. If you love Jesus and others, forgive. Jesus should be first in line, others, then you. What a life sublime. So that's Jesus, others, and you. 
joy. It's pretty cheesy, but it oh. works. See, I'm not much into poetry, but that was pretty good. Well, I wish I could say I wrote that, but I did not write that. <laughs> well, very good. Last uh, question. Is there anything about just peer pressure in general that you'd like to share? I mean, you don't have to, but um, the theme of this meeting is about peer pressure, and we're drawing that from uh, the book of Exodus, and the exact passage slips on mine. I think it's like chapter 23 or something. Uh, Moses says, don't follow the crowd to do wickedness. Um, is there anything about just peer pressure in general that you would like to share with other young people? And this is something that affects all ages. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm definitely just as uh, pressured by anybody else. And it's not something, it's something that exists and it has to be treated as something that exists. And it's really easy to hear, don't fall into peer pressure, but it's a totally different thing uh, when you're in the moment. And so you just you have to stay strong and that's it's not easy but the only way you can do that uh is by staying true to god and keeping him number one in your life okay chas appreciate you coming on and if you want to catch any of chas's sermons just go to the chapel grove church of christ youtube page and they'll be there waiting for you thanks chas and now we have in the right corner luke goad standing at six foot eight and about 200 pounds Is, is that right yeah close enough uh, Luke Goad here. He's another of the young men that's come to speak at the Chapel Grove Church of Christ Young Speakers Meeting on the subject of peer pressure. And you have a couple of topics. I guess just first, I've never really had you on the podcast, have I? Um, Not to my reckoning. No. So introduce yourself, and then and then I'll ask you about your topics. I am Luke Goad. I'm originally from Oakdale, California, and so people hold that against me. And, uh, hmm. you know... That is what it is. But I live in Ozark, Missouri now, uh, for a little bit at least, but soon I'm moving to Kentucky. So if you're trying to keep tabs of where I'm living, I'm sorry I've made it difficult for you. But uh, I'm aspiring to preach. I'm moving to Kentucky to work with a congregation there uh, in Mount Vernon called Chestnut Ridge. And uh, that's a little bit about me, I guess. Very good. I've lived that life before, and uh, I don't want to go back to it <laughs> where you didn't really have a home. Um, Okay, now about your topics. So you were going to talk about entertainment and work and how those relate to peer pressure. Is that correct? That is right. Uh, entertainment and work, normally you talk about work, then play, but somebody didn't get the memo with the topics, and so it's out of order. <laughs> I didn't even realize there for like three seconds that you were even making fun of me. <laughs> um, this guy's got jokes. So, well, go whatever order you want. Um, if you want to talk about work first, that's fine with me. Uh, hit me with it. What, do, what are you thinking? How, do, how does peer pressure play into work? So in our society, I mean, we're, we're in an individualistic society is the way that we typically compare ourselves to other nations. There are some nations that are very community driven. Uh, we're very individualistic. And so we place a high value on my individual financial success how soon I can get married and have the American dream, have my own home, have all the toys, boats and rock crawling jeeps and whatever I might want. Uh, and it leads to this pressure from our peers is kind of the perception that, that we need to stay up with everybody else. And that leads us to make career choices that might not always be the wisest because our priority in choosing a career should not be so that we can have uh, all of the worldly things that we desire. There's nothing wrong with having 
leisure or having things that you uh, consider a goal for yourself. Maybe you like fishing, you want to get a boat someday. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be married, have your own home. And work can be kind of the bottleneck in achieving those goals, but our primary purpose in life is to serve and glorify God, and so our career should certainly be chosen based upon that goal first and foremost. I feel like I've been sitting on, on a Dave Ramsey segment for the last two minutes. Uh, did you happen to read Financial Peace before you got on the podcast? I did not. I've never read anything by Dave Ramsey. My mom talks about him all the time, and I've just kind of... <laughs> you were probably like me. You were probably born indoctrinated with it, not even realizing there was a difference between what you were taught and reality. That's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can get Dave on here one of these days. Um, yeah, I agree with you. In fact, when I chose nursing as a profession, I, I did that with long-term sites in mind. And but But still, once I got into it, there was so much time commitment invested that um, I would later write a book, or I'm sorry, I read an article t- called Why You Should Quit College. Um, really just speaking to the fact that you not necessarily need to quit college or don't go into a certain profession, but just be more mindful about how you spend your time and get over-invested in work. Um, seems like what you were just kind of alluding to just now. Yeah, absolutely. And there are jobs that we do not consider to be prestigious, and they might not pay the best, but if they leave you in a better position to study God's Word, to live out the life He wants for you and for all His people, and and to evangelize, to keep your children faithful, because so many people, they fail to take the time to be with their children and to teach them about the things of God. Uh, Those are all things that we need to be focusing on before getting the prestigious job, and sometimes uh, people need to consider, is, is college really the right path for me? Not even just because of things that people teach in colleges that might not be friendly towards the Christian, but just is that a wise time commitment? Yeah, you know, there's so many areas about work that, um, man, we could talk about. One of the, f- maybe I don't want to get off on this tangent, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, one of the things that I noticed uh, maybe a couple of years into my nursing profession, just the more that I was... Um, growing in Christ, the more I realized that I was talking bad about my boss a lot because that was the thing to do at work. And you could get really pulled into that, that, uh, pure conversation because you ever experienced that? Well, I've pretty much only worked for people in the church. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Don't answer that question. (laughs) I, I, I worked for a catering company that was owned by some people in the church and I worked for a plumber that was in the church and and then I've worked for the church, and so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, uh, maybe I'll ask you a different question. <laughs> I really should have vetted you to see where you've worked previous to this. Um, other things is being a workaholic, even at good things. You know, preachers can be workaholics, and um, it's hard to think about. You know, you're doing something like preaching the gospel, but even that, you can get too invested in and too wrapped up into the point where you neglect certain responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, preaching is difficult because you don't clock in and clock out. Oh, yeah. And sometimes there is a need, and you don't get to say, I've done my eight hours today, I'm putting this off till tomorrow. Uh, you work until you get it done. And so certainly it's a sacrifice for the families of preachers when things like that come up. And it's really sad. It's it's heartbreaking when a preacher's family suffers, especially when a preacher's 
children might not remain faithful and, and they sometimes blame themselves because of a, a lack of presence in their lives. And so it's a slippery slope. You can think that you're doing all the right things, uh, but without being constantly introspective, I guess, about uh, where are my priorities really? Is, is this gospel meeting that any number of other guys could go hold really so important that I can't stay home with my family and spend some more time with my kids, uh, spend some more time with my home congregation even, because a lot of the times home congregations suffer because of uh, different projects that preachers or even congregational leaders might take on. Now, forgive me. I'm sure most of the people listening to this are not preachers, and they really don't care about this. That, that was something that I—you uh, can blame that tangent on me. Um, what did you—were you getting at from the beginning that probably the biggest factor within the work environment that um, maybe falls into the area of peer pressure has to do with just working too much uh, and getting into careers that— um, are too materialistic centered. What were you getting at, or, and, and what is that? Fa- what is the biggest factor to you? It's hard to say. There's a biggest factor, you know, kind of geared towards young people. With this meeting, we're we're thinking about people that have reached a point in their life they're having to make decisions about their career. But there are also people that are already in their full time career, their vocation for life. They plan for it to be, and uh, you still encounter peer pressure at work because you have co-workers. There are people that have an influence on your life. In your lifetime, uh, the average American will spend 90,000 hours at their job. And so that's a lot of time for you to be influenced by either good influences or bad influences. And 90,000 hours around people that are very worldly and that pressure you to be like them is going to leave its mark. Yeah, no doubt. I listen to a lot of baseball player podcasts and stuff, and they talk about how all the time they talk about how they're around their teammates more than they are their own families. Um, and that that's at least one industry where that's no more true than in baseball. But um, I think that's absolutely right. So basically you're saying every time you go into work, you're going in with your shield of faith and your helmet of salvation because it's not a day off. Absolutely. Unless you're like me and you worked for people in the church and with people in the church and even then, sometimes people in the church are not the example they need to be. And I'm not saying anything about anybody that I worked with, but peer pressure might even be worse when it comes to people that you should be able to, let's say, let your guard down around. You should be able to uh, behave in the same way they're behaving and not accidentally slip into sin, but uh, nobody is perfect. Yeah. Well, that's definitely something to take into consideration, um, decisions that we make related to work and how our influences by those around us affect us in that area. Uh, another one was, what was the other topic you had? Entertainment. Oh, yes. Now, this is one that we could probably go on days about. Um, we, we've been talking about this one a little bit beforehand, and I think I remember the answer you gave me, but what do you believe is, a, I'll just say it this way, this time, what do you believe is a big area within entertainment that's pretty broad category that affects a lot of people in a negative way of related to peer pressure and entertainment so when it comes to peer pressure specifically with entertainment uh i think of like a social setting where you might be watching a movie with somebody playing video games uh whatever the case might be uh 
And it's something that you're not totally comfortable with. Maybe it's a very vulgar movie. Maybe there are some lewd scenes in the movie. Or you could say the same thing about the video game. Or it's incredibly violent. And you feel like that's not something you should be engaging in. But there's kind of this mentality sometimes of, well, I'm not entirely sure that it's wrong. And so I'm not going to stir the pot or upset the group here and... and try and do something else. I'm just going to go along with it and what happens happens. And a lot of us are tempted at times I think to be a peacemaker in our own mind in that way but the scriptures would teach that if we engage in behaviors that we have doubt about, if we think it might be sinful and we do it anyway then we are demonstrating a willingness to sin and in that process we are sinning. We show God that we are unfaithful servants and so that aspect of it from the peer pressure standpoint I think is really big because a lot of people might find themselves uh, in a car full of friends and they're listening to just some really inappropriate music maybe and you don't want to say something. Uh, it really does pile on the pressure and you have to make some game time decisions that you might not have had a lot of time to prepare for about how you're going to behave in that situation. Those are some of the hardest growing up as uh, I remember as a teenager, especially because, man, you really don't want to be that guy because you get made fun of and then people don't invite you to the uh, gathering next time, <laughs> you know, and you're afraid of that. Um, any advice for those, you know, preparing for those? In a week, you won't even be thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, it it's frustrating because there are people that you really like you want to be around them you maybe even look up to them in some way or they're just really close friends and they're doing something you're not entirely comfortable with and you don't want to jeopardize that relationship and at the same time you don't want to engage in the same behavior just do not offend your conscience because of other people absolutely it's better to say something politely maybe Think ahead of time what you would say in that type of situation so that you're more prepared. Uh, or just come up with plans with the group instead of just letting the rest of the group make all the plans. But if it does come down to you not going to the hangout or you not riding in the car with them to wherever y'all are going and because you don't want to listen to their music that they choose to listen to, it's going to matter a whole lot more in a couple years that you stayed true to your convictions uh, rather than going and being with those people that have maybe questionable convictions. I just want to give a shout out, speaking of all this, because I'm just like going back in mind, time traveling now to all these moments where people asked me to do something, or we were just doing stuff together, and I, I had that conviction of conscience. One person within church circles, you know, this happens a lot even with, like you said, uh, church circles, you know, church friends who you'd think, uh, you know, I, I can relax around these guys, not all the time. Uh, one guy that stands out to me, a friend of mine, I also go to church with him, is Etienne Nichols. And over the years, Etienne's always demonstrated the the willingness to, you know, be the odd man out and speak up and say, hey guys, this just, uh, I don't think this is appropriate. And it you need somebody like that in the group. And I need to be that person, you know, when I need to be, be that person. So uh, this is just a, a show of appreciation for him. Uh, he may never listen to this, but if you need somebody to look to, for example, I think he's a good guy, and um, hopefully there are more people that you have in your life that are the same way. Um, next thing, not next thing, but you had also mentioned prior to this podcast, you said something about social media, 
And I don't know exactly where all you were going to go with that, but I was going to ask you to comment. What do you think about social media and what relevance it plays within this peer pressure discussion? Social media is really kind of a hot button issue. And I wish that it weren't, but what it comes down to is it's becoming an entertainment medium. There's a reason that these platforms are putting reels on there and different uh, things you can click on that show you these funny videos. Uh, it's no longer just about getting a glimpse into each other's lives. And kind of as part of that, it's a popularity contest to some people. I'm not going to say everybody. We want names. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure you can find plenty just through a cursory look on your own. But social media is a huge peer pressure super center because you can see other people's posts and how well they're responded to and you can maybe want to be like them. You, you crave some of that attention perhaps because we don't like to think of ourselves as being attention seekers or people that want to be in the spotlight. Maybe we're even shy individuals, but we really do like that type of positive reinforcement. It's biologically hardwired into us, and a lot of these apps have paid a lot of attention to ways to biologically hack us. Just the constant notifications, uh, shortening our attention spans through these short funny videos. And so not only will you end up doom scrolling is one of the things that people talk about where you're just wasting way too much time on social media but constant exposure to that type of rat race for popularity definitely has its impact on people you might find yourself tempted to try and seek attention through that medium as well uh so outside of just the whole being sucked into it trying to get attention and positive affirmation what uh, I guess what negative consequences does that have or or other things involved with the social media pursuit? Well, this is getting maybe a little bit technical, but just from the biological side, it, it shortens our attention spans and it creates addictive pathways in our brains to where social media has been proven to be very harmful to young children especially. It does not benefit them at all when it comes to trying to focus on a task that they don't particularly enjoy and so it's associated with a lot of the same uh, attend, uh, behaviors as like ADHD and with older people as well there's definitely an effect there and so just kind of from that standpoint it's already not great and then you throw in the temptation to uh, maybe be like other people. Maybe it comes down to how you dress. Maybe it comes down to what you're willing to do on camera that would be absurd and people would laugh at. Uh, I know on TikTok especially, uh, it oh is my. a social media that is angled towards being pretty much only entertainment. And people do all sorts of crazy things because they want to get a laugh out of somebody. It makes you feel good. Uh, it's not a good path to go down. It's not a good habit to develop. It eventually becomes uh, an, a need, an addiction, uh, either to consume that type of material or for some people to try and recreate that type of material. And I'm a young guy. I'm 20 years old. I have Instagram. I have Facebook. I, uh, my friends send me funny videos and I send them funny videos. But I really have to watch myself and the amount of exposure that uh, I let myself have towards social media because 
it definitely can take over a whole day if you let it. You're 20 years old, you said, but 60 at heart, right? Uh, that might be a little on the conservative side. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about what you eat anymore. You're old. Yeah, yeah. We had that discussion earlier. Um, okay, well, that's, that's, I think, wraps it up pretty well. You know, just a, a succinct summary of entertainment and work. Um, just like I asked Chas as well, is there anything about peer pressure in general that you wanted to say or, or just comment on? That's a no. There's a, there's a passage <laughs> that I like because when we talk about peer pressure, a lot of the times it, it comes down to, you know, stand up for your convictions when other people aren't doing the right thing. And that's good, but there's also a more proactive approach to it. Uh, Proverbs 13 verse 20 talks about this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, ahead of time, remove some of those temptations from your life by letting yourself be influenced by better influences. Seek out friends that do not have uh, a lot of the bad behaviors that you don't want to develop. Yeah, peer pressure doesn't always have to be bad. It can be good. Um, okay, well, appreciate you coming on the podcast, Luke. And up number three here is Carter Stevens. Carter, glad to have you on the podcast for the first time. And why don't you introduce yourself to people? Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Carter Stevens, and I come from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I say Nashville, but really it's actually about 30 miles south. I go to Lanton Church of Christ, which is in Spring Hill, which is my hometown. Uh, you've probably never heard of it unless you know a lot about Miley Cyrus. That's where she came from. So, uh, But yeah, that's where I go. I'm a high school history teacher, and uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Very cool. So we both have something in common that we, we both have a kind of a side gig that we do in, in, in conjunction with preaching. Mm -hmm. But um, would you say that you're officially uh, preaching now or are you, you still kind of, I, I can't remember. No, not officially preaching. No, I've not quite uh, reached the, the level, but I'm just teaching right now. And okay. uh, yeah, I hope that preaching will be in the future, but I guess we'll just have to see. Okay. I couldn't remember. Um, well, very good. We're going to have you give two topics this weekend, or by the time this gets released, you will have given two topics. One is on morality, as I understand it, mm -hmm. and one is on friendship. That's right. So I like to just kick into the morality topic. Um, that's, that's pretty big. And probably to me, I, I just guess one of the most important when you're talking about peer pressure. Uh, so there you go. A lot of pressure on you. But, uh, <laughs> What, what do you think within that topic is so important for especially young people to understand and be attentive to? Yeah, so it's kind of tough, you know, because morality is such a broad topic. I mean, there's so many places you could take that. So just to slightly spoil it, but not all the way, uh, what I'm going to kind of dive into this weekend is sort of the cultural malleability of morality. And if we're talking about peer pressure, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, morality's kind of boundaries shifting per person. So if I'm with a certain person, I may have certain behaviors that I do and that I kind of act like are okay. But then I get around somebody else and I act like that it's changed and it's different. And my morality is malleable. And as Christians, we understand that that's not uh, the way that the Bible uh, kind of prescribes us to live by. And it may not even be explicit. It may even be you, you're implicitly being influenced by somebody to change something that you wouldn't maybe around other church members or uh, when you have your Bible open in front of you, but other people having that sort of effect on you. So that's kind of what I'm going to be diving into is the malleability of morality in today's culture. Do you feel like you see that a lot within the school system? 
Um, does that help you to be conscious of that within the church as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, uh, I mean, I'm one of many people who spend lots of time in a school type setting, like on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I, of course I keep my distance kind of, but I do sort of watch my students and I see how they interact and the way they interact with me, you know, just one-on-one -on -one is a lot different than the way they interact with, you know, when they're, their buddies are watching. And that's just one example, you know, I see it also in my coworkers as well. I mean, it's not just one of those peer pressure is kind of something we talk about whenever, you know, we're talking about school and young people, but really it's any age. It doesn't matter. I think anybody is susceptible to their morals changing depending on who's watching. And so that's kind of uh, something interesting that I've noticed as I've kind of gone into the professional world. So that was something I had a big problem with was malleability to my peers in, in school back um, when I was when I was homeschooled. Is that right? <laughs> uh, but with you, you know, throughout all these episodes, I've been talking to Chas and Luke and now you and just trying to put myself back in those shoes back when I was, especially in high school. And it's been kind of hard for me to do. I'm not that far out, but um, you're a little bit closer. Do you feel like you were able to, through experience, um, you know, look back on some mistakes maybe that you made in high school as far as that goes and, and feel like you're you're further down the road because of it. Well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, I'm 23 years old now. And I mean, I can look back on my decision-making skills at 16 or 17 and go, Ooh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a doozy. So I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Um, but yeah, this has been a very interesting way to sort of look at it. Um, the way the scriptures talk about it, but like you said, also look introspectively at my life and see how it's affected me. Uh, and, you know, I definitely could have used uh, multiple sermons like this when I was a kid. I'm sure a lot of people could. So I'm really glad that I've been able to kind of fill these shoes in that way. And hopefully it'll uh, influence other young people and old people alike, you know, who knows? Does it ever get easier? Does does it ever it get easier? Yeah, this, this uh, peer pressure and that conformity to whoever you're around? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess it really depends on two things. It depends on your mindset and it depends on who you're surrounding yourself with. I mean, that's kind of the key right there. If you continuously surround yourself with the same people, your mindset's probably not going to change. And my parents always, this kind of saying was echoed throughout my house when I was younger that uh, if you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results, they, they said that was the definition of in insanity. I don't know if that's the actual definition, but that's what they told me. Uh, they say, Carter, you are living the definition of an insanity if I did something over and over again. And so I think that kind of applies that it's insane to think that something will change just because you get older if your habits and your mindset and your crowd does not change in some way. So this just reminded me, uh, have you ever read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear? I've not read it. I've heard of it. It's been recommended to me by a great multitude of people. So. I think I have an episode on here with Trevor Calvert. We talked about that book as we were reading through it together, but he, I also follow him on Instagram and I think Instagram and it's worth following his page. Just a lot of good key insights. Um, but he said something like you are the average of the four closest people in your life. Mm. And I was like, that is really good. And that speaks exactly what you were saying. Right. The people you hang around, mm. um, that just helped me to be more conscious of who the four closest people are in right. my life and what, what effect they really are having on me. Yeah. It's also interesting that he said the four closest, you think he'd say the 14 closest or something. I think it kind of goes into the idea of quality over quantity of your friends. You can mm -hmm. have a lot of friends, but if they're not uh, good for you in a spiritual and an emotional sense, then that's probably not what you need to have in your life. So that's very interesting comment he made. Yeah. And don't quote me on the four because I think that's what he said. Of course you said that after I commented. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's the setup. It's all right. about the setup. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, very good. Now, let's see how I can do that again. Uh, fr- <laughs> talking about friendships. Friendships uh, is got, got, kind of goes in the same what we just started talking about. Uh, what's, and maybe in your lesson, I don't remember if I uh, asked you to address this or not, but what do you think is one really important Bible character or maybe even a Bible story or just a verse of Scripture that is really good to think about when you're considering peer pressure within friendships? Well, it was you that recommended to me to sort of look at the story, uh, kind of the Old Testament examples. And I don't, I don't really focus on this in my sermon uh, and the study that I am going to give. Um, but what I do, I do mention these people that you look back through the scriptures, especially like the Old Testament or even the New Testament, really. And you can see a lot of people who are surrounded by good people in their lives. So kind of some obvious examples would be like David and Jonathan. Those are two men who the Bible says their hearts were knitted together. They loved one another. Uh, they were able to get each other through some very difficult times. I don't know why um, I didn't think of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I guess I thought of them. Uh, but, you know, and even in the New Testament, you have like, uh, Paul and Barnabas. And those are guys who the scriptures even record in Acts 15 that they fought, you know, they kind of seem to disagree, but you think about, um, that's really, I mean, that's not the composite of their entire friendship of their entire relationships. So you think about the good things they were able to do despite their flaws and you know, the times that they butted heads and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I just think that the scriptures seem to put a lot of emphasis on uh, multiple people and sort of the community aspect of believing in Christ and living his doctrines and his word in your life. Uh, I'm not sure if that answered the question, but that would be my answer for that. Yeah, I thought that, no, those are two. If I, again, I was real, I can't believe I didn't think of Jonathan and David. <laughs> That's the classic friendship story. Yeah. Uh, it does disappoint me, you know, about Paul and Barnabas fighting there because um, I never fight with any of my friends ever. Oh, really? And um, that was a real weakness they had. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I, I think that just speaks more to the authenticity of the Bible, the fact that these two great men fought. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, very good. Um, Carter, uh, enjoyed having you on the episode here. Is there anything on either topic, morality or friendship, uh, you can go backwards if you'd like, that you'd like to just make a point that you think is really good um, on theme? Yeah, so let's kind of start with the first thing I'm going to be talking about. So the first thing I talk about is morality. Lord willing, that's going to be tomorrow morning, uh, Saturday, June the something. The 10th. 10th, June the 10th, yes. Um, so talking about morality, again, the the kind of idea, the t- title of the sermon that I was given was maintaining morality. And again, I want to stress the fact that morality is seen as malleable. Those two things kind of sound uh, alike. And so that kind of helps you remember. But if you look at the culture around you, look at the way the world talks about morality and what's right and wrong and see that it's malleable. And we can look at the scriptures and see that that's not true. And our job is despite being in a culture of uh, changing, uh, ever so changing morality, we are supposed to maintain that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's really just kind of an introductory statement that I can give to uh, that study. Now, when it comes to friendship, really, that's just kind of like almost an offshoot of my lesson on morality of the study that I have because I talk about in the idea of being moral is that your job as a Christian is to be a moral uh, kind of a lighthouse to the world. You're supposed to be somebody who's completely, um, I guess, stable in their morality and you're not changing. You're not uh, submitting to the pressures that you have around you. And that's really going to affect the the kinds of friends you make and the kind of friend you are towards other people, including Christians. So those would be my two sort of little bites that I'll give out. And hopefully uh, lots of people will tune in for uh, mine and the other brothers' studies and sort of see what they can learn and uh, 
yeah, that's what I would have to say. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. Yes, sir. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed these conversations with Chas, Luke, and Carter. If you have questions about their particular talks, um, just send them to the podcast, and I'll see if I can't relay those questions to them and give them the opportunity to reach out to you with an answer. Really do check out their sermons. Again, the Chapel Grove Church of Christ YouTube page or tncgchurchofchrist.org on the video and audio page. For today, that's it. Until next time, you've been listening to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. 